0: Thank you. It's so great to be in church with you today. As Pastor Connor said, my name is Caleb and I serve as one of the connections pastors here. Uh, Do you love your other connections pastor, Pastor Connor? Can we give it up for him? Appreciate him. Amazing. Before, before we dive into this new series, Philippians for you, I want to take a moment and give honor to the leadership of this church. I don't know about you, but I love this church. I love this house. And I, so I, me being here, having the opportunity to share is a credit to our leadership. Our lead pastor, Pastor Rob and Becca and our campus pastor, Pastor Kirk and Kaylee and them not just wanting to talk about raising up a next generation of leaders, but actually creating space and giving an opportunity for people like me to come and share. So if you love this church, Can we appreciate our leadership right now in this moment? Can you give it up for them? It's amazing. So Philippians for you, the next several weeks, we're going to dive into this letter, this book of Philippians. And so if you brought a Bible, you can turn there now. We're going to jump in in just a second. But before we read, I want to set uh, some context. And this letter was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul is credited with writing much of the New Testament. And this letter, it's unique because it is full of encouragement. It is uh, full of support. Paul is writing from prison to a church that is being persecuted for their faith. And yet most of this letter is full of, of encouragement of Paul saying, hey, I see what you're going through. I see that you're struggling. I see that you're facing persecution, but keep on going. Stay united. Stay strong. Be encouraged. You're doing a good job. So this is a side note. If you're ever walking through a difficult season of life, Turn to the book of Philippians because you're sure to find some encouragement in this letter. And so we're going to take the next several weeks and read from this book. So today we're going to start from Philippians 1 verses 3 through 6. Verse 3 says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that this life is a journey. How many of you know that life can feel like a journey at time but praise God that he has a plan and a purpose for our journey. How many of you are thankful today that God has a purpose for your life? Come on, can we give him praise in this moment? We're well, thankful. what he's doing in our lives and it's not just that we're on a journey it's not just that we're living day to day but how many of you know we can have joy on our journey if you're taking notes today you want to jot down a title i'm calling this one joy on my journey joy on my journey and speaking of joy and journeys uh how many parents in the room excited that it is back to school season your kids are sitting next to you, so you're trying not to be too excited about it, but it's back-to-school season, and in writing this message, I was thinking about sort of this back-to-school season, and, and for me, what that meant for me growing up is I would get to go shopping with my family and my parents, and I remember the day that I got my first trapper keeper. Anybody have, you remember trapper keepers? Do they call them that? They're still called trapper keepers. Um, I remember it. I I got my first Trapper Keeper and I was so pumped about it because it was bright blue and it had a big Nike swoosh on it. And I just remember feeling like this is the coolest thing ever. I was pumped. and And I brought it to school, first week of school, and I was... I was real proud. I was like showing it off to people. And I remember not only did it look cool, uh, it looked cool, but it it, it served a purpose. Like I could file all my assignments. And I don't know why as a kid like that, that did something for me. I like being organized. I like being tidy. Like I could file all my assignments and I was no longer going to lose track of, of my homework. And so I was pumped. About this trapper keeper, but what happened is that week after week went by and month after month went by, and I didn't take the best care of my trapper keeper. Like it it would end up on the ground and uh, it got messy, it started to rip, it started to tear, and all of a sudden, the thing that I was excited about, all of a sudden, I was no longer grateful for it. I was just thinking, man, this thing's falling apart, this thing is cheap. This thing is not sturdy. This thing is not durable. And all of a sudden at the semester break, my kids, uh, kids in my class are bringing in their new trapper keepers. Like they got a second one partway through the school year. And now all of a sudden the thing that I was excited about, I'm now resentful for. And how, how many of you know that when we're talking about joy and having joy in life, sometimes our joy is so circumstantial. Like in this season when it's something new or your kids are going back to school, whatever it may be, it's easy to be grateful. It's easy to have joy because it's just sort of, it it comes by default. That something new is happening and so now I have joy. And yet when we go through things in life that are maybe difficult or a struggle, all of a sudden it's more difficult for us to have joy. And what we can learn from Paul as he writes to this church in Philippians is that our, our gratitude and our joy, they're connected. And that our gratitude and our joy, it doesn't have to be circumstantial. But in every season of life, in every part of the journey, if we are following Jesus, there's an opportunity for us to have joy regardless of circumstance, regardless of the situation. You and I can have joy on our journey. I lost my gratitude when I compared what I had that became old to the nice new things that other people have. And we do this all the time. We have misplaced frustration or disappointment when we compare to other people or we feel uh, justified in the hurts that we're feeling. And all of a sudden, we feel justified in our lack of whatever it may be. Whatever we have, we feel justified in that. And yet, we look at this letter and Paul is writing from prison. He's writing this letter from a place where there should be no joy. There should be no gratitude. There should be no thankfulness. He's in prison and we know contextually that he would have been tied to a Roman officer every, at all times. So he's tied to, to somebody in the prison at all times. This shouldn't have been a place for joy and yet he is full of gratitude and full of joy and he's writing to a persecuted church. People who are being hated for their faith. People whose lives are on the line because they simply believe this gospel message of Jesus. There shouldn't have been joy in that setting and yet there was. Now I want to read this passage again, and I don't want to just read what Paul says, but I want all of us to lean into how he says it. Because the Apostle Paul, in most of his writings, he writes to churches, and he brings corrections. When they're getting out into the left field on, on theology or, or how they're living, he writes to correct, and he writes direct, and sometimes it feels a little bit harsh, but in this moment, it is all love, it is all encouragement. Let's read it again, verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. That's like pretty dramatic. I remember people all the time and I don't specifically pause and thank God for them. But Paul is saying that in this moment, every time he thinks of this church, he gives thanks in all my prayers for all of you. Now I'm thinking, Paul, come on, there's got to be like one or two people in this church that you're not thanking God for. But he says, all of you. Every time I think of you, I give God thanks. And I I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Our joy, it doesn't have to be circumstantial. Our gratitude is a muscle that we get to exercise day in and day out. And here's what I want you to take away today that our joy, it grows when we're grateful for the people in our lives and for the purpose for our life. When we think about the people who are in our lives, there should be some joy that comes out. Realizing that God has positioned people in my life that I should be grateful for, that should cause some joy to take place and take root in our heart. And also be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That thought, the idea of that should, should stir something within us that goes, man, I, I am grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that not only am I alive, but God has a plan and a purpose for me today, in this moment, in this service, that none of us are here by accident. But God has a plan and a purpose for us. Saying, I don't have all the answers, but I know that God does. And he has placed people in my life to help me on the journey. And he has a plan and a purpose for my life. So two thoughts that I want you to jot down. When we think about gratitude, being grateful, and that causing joy to build up in our lives. And I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you're thinking, man, I am full of joy. I am full of life. Or maybe you're feeling like your joy tank is a little low today. There's two things that we can do together collectively to fill our joy tank. The first is this. Be grateful for the people in your life. Be grateful for the people in your life. In all my prayers for all of you, Paul says, I always pray with joy. When's the last time you remembered people? When's the last time you you took a moment to just pause and reflect on the people in your life? Your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people in your life. And when's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you took a moment to pray for them first? Before you started praying for yourself, before you got caught up in the worries of your own life, of your own day. When's the last time you paused to give thanks and appreciation that you have relationships in your life? Do we pray for people? And not just the negative ones. You know what I'm talking about, like... Oh, I need to pray for them because the Lord knows they they need the prayers. Right? But when's the last time we genuinely pray blessing and praise and thanksgiving and favor and grace over people's lives? That's how you and I ought to live. And by doing so, there should be joy that stirs up in our spirit. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, yeah, but there's some people in my life that I am not grateful for. Now, as I was writing this, I was thinking back to my first job the first job I ever had, the first boss I ever had. And, um, he's one of those people that I was thinking, man, how could I, it just was a bad experience. It was real tough on me. Like, and I was processing, is, is this negative experience something that right now I can be thankful for? And, and this, this boss, I worked at a, a grocery store as a cashier and, and I, I helped bag groceries and I was 14 years old working at this grocery store and the manager of this store, he was just, he was into every detail. So every time there was a mess, he would come over and he'd grab me and, and I have to go clean it up. And I, I remember thinking, man, this guy, he's He's always, he's always on top of things. And he's always making me come and, and clean things up or take care of problems and situations. And I remember feeling resentful towards this guy. Like he, he's so, man, in the details of everything and thinking back to what he was doing, he took ownership of that store. That even, even, even though I, at the time, I did not enjoy going to work and I didn't enjoy seeing him and thinking, man, how can I be grateful for this guy's role in my life if I pause With a little bit of growth and maturity, I could see that, man, this guy, he taught me ownership. That even today in my life as as a pastor serving in the church, that I ought to be walking this building, walking this property, walking this facility with a sense of ownership, with a sense of pride. That if something goes wrong, I have a responsibility to jump in, to take part, that we have ownership of this building. There's some value taken from even a negative, what I perceive to be a negative relationship. So who are those people in your life that maybe you have resented or you've not been thankful for? And can you pause and reflect and allow God to speak to you and reveal something to you about that relationship? If you need more joy in your life, follow this acronym, joy. Stands for Jesus, others, yourself. Begin with Jesus. And man, I love that we got to celebrate communion together. A moment where we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, that he has saved us, redeemed us, set us free. That ought to cause some joy to rise up. And, and then we go to the oh, and thinking about other people and being grateful for the relationships in our life. And then the opportunity that God, he invites us to bring our requests, our cares, our concerns to him. We get to bring those to the Lord. And he loves hearing those prayers and those requests. Joy in the New Testament is virtually always used to signify a feeling of happiness that is based on spiritual realities. Regardless of what happens, spiritual realities have to trump what we see in the physical and the natural. Joy is a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. Joy is not necessarily an experience that comes from favorable circumstances, but is God's gift from his spirit to believers. Joy is a part of God's very essence and his spirit manifests in supernatural joy in his people. And I want to prove it to you. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Acts 13.52 says this, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says this, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy and the Holy Spirit. That regardless of situation, that that man, if we make the decision to follow Jesus, and maybe you're here and you're realizing, man, I'm low on joy and I've never made the decision to give my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. In just a moment, there's an opportunity for you to do that, to respond to him today. But if you've done that, then the Spirit of God now dwells inside of you. And the fruit of that Spirit that lives inside of you is joy. So you and I, we can walk into these settings and be reminded of this, that, man, maybe you're facing something difficult in your life. Maybe you're facing a mountain. Maybe you're facing a, a trial, a tribulation of whatever kind. you and I can be reminded that the fruit of the Spirit, the promise for me today, is that I can walk out with joy. I don't have to walk in the same way that I walked in, that I can walk out with my joy tank full. So how are you doing with joy? How would others say that you're doing with joy? Have you asked God for more joy, more things to be grateful for? And who are the people that God has placed in your life specifically and can you be thankful for them today? And maybe you're here, I wanna be sensitive too. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I don't have many people in my life. For, for whatever reason, you find yourself in a scenario where you feel like, man, maybe people have hurt you. Maybe people have distanced themselves from you. Maybe, maybe you've lost some loved ones along the way. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I don't have those relationships. I want to challenge you to take a step of faith because right now you're surrounded by a crowd of people who would love to be community for you who would love to be those relationships for you. And when we come into God's family, when we come to the church, there's always an opportunity for us to find new relationships, new community, and you never know when you're gonna meet your new best friend. And so I'm gonna give a shameless plug for life groups. We talked about them in announcements. We're gonna to continue to talk about them because we believe that everyone in the church should have a life-giving community. So if you feel like, man, I don't have that, you never know what can happen when you say, yes, I'm gonna to go to a life group. And I realize it can be, it can be scary. And I was hearing a story this week from somebody who is in this church, in this community, and they were telling their story of, of when they first started coming to church. And she was talking about the anxiety that she felt and the worries that she had. And, and she started coming to church, and she, and she gave her life to Jesus, and it was, it was awesome, and it was powerful. And she heard them, uh, somebody talking about life groups, and she said, man, I, I should probably get involved in, in a life group. I should probably make that decision. And so she, went, she signed up and went to her first life group. And she sat in her car for over half an hour on the street going, oh, this is crazy. I don't, I don't know anybody in there. I don't know if I should go in. I don't know if I can do this. And, and she's trying to talk herself out of it. I realize that there are people right now in the room that you might have that experience. You might sign up for a life group and go, oh, man, I don't know. if What am I doing? Why am I here? Do I belong here? I don't know anybody. I don't know if I fit in here. Can you just take that step? Because what happened next is she, she had the courage, she had the faith to just get out of the car and go in the building. And she went for the first time. And, and long story short, those people, those girls in that life group became some of her closest friends. That that house where they had that life group meeting became a house for her, for her to live in for a season of her life. She ended up meeting some of her new best friends and she got to live in that house where they had the first life. You never know what God will do when you just have a moment of courage to say yes to some new relationships, to some new community. Come on, can we give God praise? That he's always working. He's always got something new for us. So be grateful for the people in your life. And number two, be grateful for the purpose for your life. Can we be grateful for the purpose? for our lives. I love this verse, Philippians 1, 6. It should be a mantra for all of us. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you know that God sets you on a journey? Did you know that God is the one who began this journey for you? And so often in church, we talk about, man, this is, this is my journey to finding God. You know, the longer we serve the Lord, the more we realize that it was God finding us. And Scripture tells us that that regardless of what we do, if we're left to our own uh, devices, our own nature, our our own uh, human nature, we are prone to drift from God. We are prone to go our own way. We're prone to choose our own path, choose our own journey. And yet it's God who draws us to himself. Yeah, when we look at life, it's, it's God who's actually in pursuit of every human heart. When we look at the course of our life, we can realize that God has been the one who is chasing us. And we know that God sets us on a journey. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. I love this. In Jeremiah 31, we know that God loved us before we ever existed. In Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, God chose us in Christ before the world was even formed. In John 6, God drew us to himself and gave us faith to believe in Jesus. God is the one who draws us to himself and he sets us on a journey. And it's not just the salvation moment that's going to take place at the end of this service where people are going to respond to that, but it's also the the journey of our life. Realizing that you and I, we were all made unique. That there's no one else like you on, on the planet. That you are one of a kind. That God has given you gifts and talents and abilities. That God is the one who set you on a journey. And so maybe you're here and you're realizing, man, I'm not sure what the purpose is for my life. I believe as we, we bring this message to a close, that as we pray, that the Spirit of God can speak to you. And maybe not in an audible, in an audible way, if I'm just being honest. I've never heard an audible voice from God. But I've heard many times God speak to my heart. It sounds like a whisper. It sounds like a prompting. It sounds like something from within that, oh man, that wasn't my thought. I believe that God can do that in this moment, that he can bring clarity to your purpose and some of the gifts that God has given to you. Salvation always begins with God. He makes the first move and he didn't make the move first. You and I, we could make no move at all. So God sets us on a journey, but God also keeps us on the journey. He sets us on the journey and he keeps us on the journey. We're told that he began a good work in us, which is the salvation process. But it's not just it's not just done there that you and I, we are on the journey and you and I, we are going to make mistakes. And you and I need to be reminded that the grace of God, it does, doesn't just save us. The grace of God also sustains us. And this is a great reminder for us when when we come into church, we need to be reminded sometimes if if we hang out for any length of time, sometimes you and I, we can buy into like, oh, I've got this thing figured out. No, no, no. You and I need to be reminded that we need the grace of God today just as much as the day that we responded to Jesus for the very first time. The grace of God, it saves us. The grace of God, it also sustains us. The good news is that since God isn't finished with us yet, we have great hope for the future. And the bad news is that since God isn't finished with us yet, he won't let us stay as we are today. He's going to keep chipping away at us until we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So where, where are you at on your journey? Are you able to recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for me? That there, There's a journey that I'm on and I'm realizing, man, I need some more joy for my journey. But also, where have you written God off? Where have you written yourself off? Where have you just decided that, man, this is just something I'm going to have to deal with. This is just a struggle that I'm just going to continue to have to live with, and I'm just going to have to bear this burden. Or where have you disqualified yourself from the things of God, saying that God couldn't love me, God couldn't forgive me, I'm not good enough, I'll never measure up to so-and-so, and you begin to compare yourself. How are you doing on this journey? And can we pause for a moment and acknowledge that the Spirit of God is in this room, that whatever lies we've bought into up until this point can be broken in, in Jesus' name. That whatever, we've, whatever area we've written off of our life, whatever area maybe we haven't brought to God, in a moment we can bring it to him and find freedom and victory. And as a result, experience a joy like we've never experienced before. I believe that that's going to happen in the room in just a moment. The grace of God doesn't just save us, it also sustains us. Last thing Because God is the one, he he sets us on a journey, he keeps us on a journey, but God also carries us to the end of our journey. Not only does God start the process and continue the process, he also guarantees its ultimate outcome. That he will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. This means that God won't be turned aside by difficulties of any kind. He is so determined to make you like Jesus that even your own backsliding won't ultimately hinder the accomplishment of his purpose. Someday we will stand before Jesus Christ as redeemed children of God, holy, blameless, complete in every way. We're a far sight from that today. You and I, we can all agree. We are far from that. But man, as we journey in this life and journey in this faith, it's powerful to think about and consider where we'll be for all of eternity. To realize that, that man, what I'm struggling through or what I'm journeying through or what I'm, I'm dealing with today, it'll one day be made right. It'll one day be made whole. It'll one day be restored. And you and I, we're going to spend all of eternity celebrating that. Celebrating the work of God. Celebrating the greatness of our God. And it's going to be an awesome thing. God's going to bring it to completion. That means a few things for us today. It means that what is incomplete will one day be made complete. What is unfinished will one day be made finished. What is lacking will one day be made full. And What is partial will one day mean whole. What is less than enough will be far more than adequate. What is broken will one day be fixed. What is hurt will one day be healed. What is weak will one day be made strong. And what is temporary will one day be made permanent. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God is the one who sets me on a journey, that God is the one who keeps me on a journey. Even when I struggle, even when I go wayward, even when I go my own way and do my own thing, God is the one watching after me saying, man, I have a plan for you. And don't worry, regardless of what you walk through, I'm going to bring this plan unto completion in your life. So what are you praying for? What are you believing God for? Maybe you're here and you're just here out of habit, out of routine, out of, man, this is just what we do. That We just come to church. And maybe right now in this moment you can acknowledge that God wants to do a new thing in your life. That maybe you realize, man, on this journey I've been putting some limitations. I've been putting some restrictions on the plans and the purposes of God. I've been putting some limitations and some restrictions on, on the dreams that I once had as a kid. And, and maybe today in this moment that God's going to br- breathe new life into those dreams new life into those purposes. Maybe, just maybe, some things are going to change and shift as you step out of this service today. Man, I'm so thankful God has a purpose for my life. And In writing this message, I was thinking about some difficult moments in my life and processing, man, this is all good and this is all encouraging and this message, man, we can have joy on the journey and, and we can be grateful, but there's some things that I've walked through that I don't know if I can be grateful for. I don't know if I can have joy for, and, and especially as I was experiencing some things in life, and, and for me as a kid, I grew up with a difficult circumstance that I had to deal with, that I had to face day in and day out, and I, I dealt with severe asthma as a kid, where, where it wasn't just like sports-induced, like, you know, you run hard, and all of a sudden, you're short of breath, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night not being able to breathe, And my parents would run into the room and they would pick me up and they would take me to the hospital and and they would hook me up to machines and and support me with medication and different machines that would allow me to breathe properly again. And this repeated, like day in and day out, like not knowing when my next asthma attack was going to hit. And I grew up in church. I grew up in environments like this. I grew up listening to preachers say similar things that I'm saying today about, man, God's going to do a new thing, that what is broken can be restored, that what is hurt can be healed. And, and I remember thinking, well, I have this severe asthma that is just plaguing my life. Like, I don't get to be like other kids. I don't get to just run around whenever I want. Like, I, I don't know when my next attack is going to come. And I remember feeling like, man... Okay, it's great, preacher man, you're, you're talking about God's gonna do a new thing, but like, when's God gonna do it for me? I remember wrestling with that. Where's the purpose in this? There's no joy in this journey. This is just a struggle. And I, I loved playing sports, and so it only further complicated like, man, every time I played a, a sport, every, t- every day when we had gym class, like I had to take medication before any event and after any event. Like if, if I'm going to be speed walking, I got to take my, my medicine. This is because it was that, it was that severe. And so I, I remember just like kind of giving up. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not praying for this anymore because God's not, he hasn't done it yet. I don't know if he's ever going to do it. So I remember kind of just giving up and, okay, God, I'm just going to take my medication and, and you've provided doctors and you provided the the medication. So this is the form of the healing that I'm just going to, I'm just going to receive and I'm no longer going to pray for. it. And I remember in college, I was playing soccer uh, in college and, and I remember one day showing up to soccer practice, realizing that my medicine was out. And like any, you know, 18, 19 year old college boy, I was like, "Ah, I'm just going to roll the dice. Like, I'm just going to practice without the medicine, and if I start having an attack, the coach, he'll just take me to the hospital, and we'll get it sorted out on the back end. Right? Like, perfect logic. And I remember getting to the end of that practice and being like, wow, I feel, I feel good. Like, that shouldn't have happened. I don't, like, how did that? And I remember going to practice the next day and being like, well, I didn't take it yesterday, and I'm still here. So, like, I'm just not going to take it today. And like a few days went by and actually a couple weeks went by and I was like, I think God healed me. Like I haven't been taking my medicine and I haven't had to go to the ER once. Like that is a miracle in my life. Maybe God healed me. And so often as we journey through life, sometimes you and I, we're we're missing out because we feel like, man, we want God to show up a certain way. And maybe, oh, man, I'm not going to have joy until God heals my asthma in dramatic fashion. Realizing that on the journey, God's doing stuff all the time. And, man, that shouldn't cause us any less joy. That God's protection, that God's provision, that God's grace who saved us is now sustaining us, that should do something inside of us to cause us to be full of joy. Knowing that today, God's doing something new. God, what are you doing? What do you have for me? What are you saying in this moment? How can I lean in and be filled with joy even in this moment? One pastor says it this way if you're not dead, God's not done. That there is a plan and a purpose for the journey that you're on. So, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to respond to the message today. It's what separates sermons from any lecture or speech, is that we respond to what God is doing in this moment. So, I want to ask you, how are you doing with joy? Do you need some more joy in your life? How are you doing with gratitude? Have you been thankful for the people in your life? Are you realizing, man, I've been resenting some people. There's some people I've been frustrated with, I've been upset with, and I have not been grateful for their role in my life. And today you need to give God thanks that you have people in your life. So man, is is your joy tank full? Are you grateful for the people in your life? Or lastly, are you here and you're realizing, man, I don't have a clear sense of purpose for my life. I don't know if I've ever heard God speak to me on on his plan and his purpose for my life. And right now, I want him to do that. I want him to speak that into my life. If you're one of those three groups of people, would you slip a hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for? If that's you, yes. Thank you. Yes, many hands. Many hands. You can go ahead and put them right back down. Hands up from the front to the back, all over the room. Let's pray together. God, you're in the room. You're in this moment. God, you see every hand that was lifted. You see every person in this place. And God, I pray for right now an increase of joy. God, thank you that it is a fruit of the spirit that the moment we say yes to Jesus, the fruit of the spirit now resides in us, that there is potential for joy. So I just declare joy in the room right now joy in the hearts of every single person that you would fill our tank full so we can make a difference in the world around us. And God, I pray for people who have been resentful of their relationships. They've been God, it's so often we become ungrateful for the people that you have placed in our lives. And God, we repent of that. We ask for forgiveness. And right now we give you thanks and praise that you have placed people in our life to help us, to encourage us, to shape us, to teach us, to mold us. We thank you for those relationships. And God, I pray for the people who are lacking purpose. Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would speak to people right now on the purpose that you have for their life knowing that every single one of us is given different gifts, different talents, different callings, and they're all God-given. So God, would you speak to that right now and bring clarity to the hearts and minds of your people. In Jesus' name I pray.